Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Hey, a huge Merry Christmas. Thank you for being with us. Uh, my name is Peter Shirley, one of the pastors here at Life. Uh, Megan, thank you for a beautiful item. That was absolutely sensational. And uh, for all of our guests and visitors, it is great having you with us, worshipping the true reason for the season, our Lord and Saviour Jesus. And this is a great way to start Christmas Day before we go home. Uh, some of us haven't unwrapped presents yet, but we can do that. Uh, have a coffee. <laughs> uh, then there'll be uh, some lunch. A nana nap, and then dinner, and uh, we'll watch the rerun of the candles by candlelight. But uh, that's pretty much the routine. And uh, if you are visiting, uh, this is a family tradition. I'm not normally dressed this brightly, but uh, if you see people in an identical shirt, they're a Shirley. So um, yeah, thank you. I I was already dressed ready for church, and then I was given a gift, and uh, I'm wearing it. So it is good. Who is Jesus to you? That's a great question. Who is Jesus to you? And uh, I want to speak for a few minutes um, framed with another question. And the question is two words, how far? How far? Hold that in mind. And I'm going to read a scripture that uh, maybe is familiar to some of us. Uh, From Luke 2 and 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he also belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, uh, I don't know about you, but Christmas certainly snuck up on me pretty quick this year. It seems to come around too quick, yes. And the sad reality is that tomorrow it'll be done and we'll be counting down uh, to next Christmas. But it's only a little less than four months until Easter. And then straight after Easter, it seems the Christmas trees go up in all the shops and they bring in all their Christmas stuff again. And we count down to Christmas again. So we've got this cycle that just comes around way, way, way too quick. Today we celebrate Christ's birth. In four months, we will be thinking about the events of Easter, Jesus' death, and certainly uh, on Easter Sunday, celebrating Jesus' resurrection. Now, with that thought in mind, I want to... To ask a question. It's Christmas today. It is Easter in a little under four months. How far is it from the manger to the cross? How far is it from Bethlehem to Golgotha, which is the name of the geographical location where Jesus was crucified? Well, it depends on your perspective. And if we are talking geographically speaking, um, 
let me say it's probably closer than you think. Now, I, I don't know if this is a uniquely Australian thing, but when somebody is asked how far, Australians give a really peculiar answer. I mean, if I grabbed 10 people from this group and said, how far is it to Hobart? I would almost guarantee that the majority of answers that you were given is not about distance, it's about time. How far is it to Hobart? About three hours. How far is it to Devonport? About 10 minutes. Uh, it's a bit of a nonsensical answer. Now, obviously it works in the context of our culture. And again, I don't know if it's a uniquely Australian thing. But we always, when we say how far, we always often give an answer that's actually not related to distance. Uh, so we give a confused answer. If we are to ask the question, how far is it from the manger to the cross? How far is it from Bethlehem to Golgotha? Let me say it is a lot closer than you think. Just prior to COVID hitting, a whole bunch of us, 20-something of us, went to Israel. And you, you, you get really surprised at how compact everything is. Israel's not a big place. And from, from Bethlehem to the gates of Jerusalem, it's only about eight and a half kilometers. So geographically speaking, from the manger to the cross, it is not far at all. It's not far from Bethlehem, where the star in the night sky led those uh, wise men to worship Jesus to the place of the cross where that same sky at Jesus' death turned pitch black. It's not far at all. There's only 33 years, in fact, between singing angels and tears of joy and celebration to a mocking crowd and... A saviour hung upon a cross. It's not far at all. Geographically, it's not far, about eight and a half kilometres. Historically, it's not far. It's about 33 years of Jesus' life on this earth. And compare that to the thousands and thousands and thousands of years that have gone since God brought this universe into creation. That 33 years of Jesus' life is a really, really, really short time span. So geographically speaking, not very far. Historically speaking, 33 years is not very far. And yet as close as it might be, so many people fail to make that short journey from the manger which most of the world is recognising at this time of year on this day, most people, many, many people fail to make that journey from the manger to the cross. And part of the reason for that is people are so much more comfortable talking about a little baby in a manger than they are a cross. It seems much less offensive to read the words of Luke in Luke 23 and 33 where he says they came, uh, sorry, 2, uh, two and 9, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. But Luke, same guy, writes later in, uh, in chapter 23 and 33, they came to the place 
called the skull. There they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. So this same author is recording these same two events. And these two passages both speak of the same person, Jesus of Nazareth, and yet people still prefer stars and mangers and choirs of angels to crosses and they try the best they can to separate the two. And friends, let me tell you this morning, you cannot separate the two. Our world loves Christmas with its lights and its carol singing and its gifts. But uh, as I said last week, if you were here, it's interesting when you read the lyrics of most of the popular carols that we sing, they all talk about the person of Jesus, but very few of them actually talk about the purpose of Jesus. And friends, Christmas is about the person of Jesus, but Easter is the fulfillment of all that Jesus came to accomplish. So the answer to the question, how far is it from the manger to the cross, is, well, geographically, not very far. Historically, not very far. And the answer to the question then, what about theologically? You probably already guessed where I'm going. It's not very far. It's closer than you think. And yet, just the same as it is geographically, just the same as it is historically, just the same as it is theologically, people are content to leave Jesus in the manger and a baby Jesus is actually a safe Jesus because a baby Jesus demands nothing. However, the birth of the child in Bethlehem actually would mean nothing at all. And we wouldn't be meeting here today without the death of Jesus on the cross. Because the truth is that baby in the manger that Christmas is so focused upon, that baby actually grew up. And as an adult, he was crucified on a cross for you and me. And you see, theologically... Without the cross, Bethlehem would have no significance at all. And Jesus could have been like a million others, maybe born in a stable, I don't know, nothing remarkable. Maybe he could have even disciplined himself to live a sinless life. I doubt it, but maybe he could. Maybe he could have even taught some really good principles. Maybe he could have even healed a few people. And then maybe after all of that, living a very remarkable life, maybe he could have died an old man. But if that's all that the life of Jesus would have amounted to, all we would have would be a great example to follow. And I guarantee the life of Jesus would be lost in the obscure pages of forgotten history books. But Jesus came to die and friends he went to the cross for you and for me to pay the price for our sin our disobedience everything that separates us from God and he did it once and for all and to take away the sin of the whole world so theologically it's not far from the manger 
to the cross. So it does raise the question, why do so many people actually fail to take that trip? Why are so many people the world over content to stay in Bethlehem when there is so much waiting just eight and a half kilometers down the road? You see, Bethlehem actually holds the promise of eternal life, but it's the cross that holds the gift of eternal life. And I think many people's response to Jesus is the same as some of the responses that we read at the time of Jesus' birth. Luke 2 and 7, she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. There was no room for them in the village inn. How many nativity plays have we seen where you have the innkeeper and he's a really angry dude? And he's painted as this really bad guy. Uh, I actually don't think the innkeeper had anything against Joseph and Mary. It was simply he didn't have any room. So he actually didn't care that much. And maybe there's a lot of people like the innkeeper. They're not against Jesus. They're just apathetic. They don't, I just don't really care. And they stay at Bethlehem because they don't care. They don't really care that Jesus was born. They don't really care that he lived for 33 years. They don't care that he died on a cross for them. They don't care that on the third day he rose again. And for those people today, maybe there'll be no church, no Christian kind of celebration, no gathering, no church service, no Christmas story, no nativity. But what's pretty cool is they get a few days off work have some great food presents, hang out with family and friends, go to the beach. I mean, how much better can it get than that? So that's the response of the innkeeper. It's not really involved. Then there was Herod. Now, Herod is a different story entirely. Matthew 2 and 16, when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now, Herod wasn't apathetic towards Jesus. He was totally hostile towards Jesus. And it's no wonder when you have the Magi, these astrologers from the East who, who came, they find themselves in front of the king and they're actually asking about where the new king is to be born. Now, that's a red rag to a bull right there because you don't go into a palace and, and, and front the king and say, hey, where's the new king going to be born? That is a flat-out threat. So Herod is hostile towards Jesus. And can I tell you, there are people today increasingly hostile towards the gospel message. People don't mind Christmas, but they'd rather keep Jesus out of Christmas. And so we tell our kids, you can't sing Christmas carols in school. And we say, you can't say Merry Christmas, you've got to say Happy Holidays. And so we like the festivity, but we don't like the truth. And Jesus is becoming increasingly confronting. The gospel message is something that is very confronting. Maybe we see it as a threat. Then we have the shepherds. Luke 2 and 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, the shepherds are absolutely front and centre in the Christmas story. You don't have a nativity without the shepherds. And so while they are so prominent in the Christmas narrative, as you continue reading the story, you actually never hear from the shepherds again. There's no record of any of those shepherds being counted amongst Jesus' disciples. We have no record of any shepherds being present at the cross. Now, maybe I'm stretching this a little bit to make a point this morning. But it seems maybe the shepherds just stayed in Bethlehem. When all of these incredible events that they witnessed had finished, maybe they just went back to being shepherds. Just a week ago, um, seems like yesterday, but it's a week ago, we were bang in the middle of our Christmas spectacular. And we have had so much overwhelming feedback uh, from people within the community who just love it. And we're there to, to greet people as they head out. And uh, so often people say, that was so good, it was so good, it was so good. And they say, can't wait till next year. And I find that a really sad response. Can't wait till next year. Sometimes I've been bold enough to say, you don't have to. But it saddens me that people can be touched, they can be moved, they can experience something that connects them to the real story of Christmas. But then it's all gone until the same time next year. There's a lot of people, they will not miss a Bernie Carroll's by candlelight or not miss a Christmas spectacular. Perhaps they don't even miss going to church on a Christmas morning. It's something that's become a family tradition. But then they don't step inside a church until Christmas of the next year. They come along, we've, we've shared this together this morning. We've sung the carols, we listen to the message, we pray a little bit. And maybe it touches us, maybe it moves us. But then when it's over, we just go back to the same daily routine and we begin counting down for next Christmas. And in a sense, they too stay in Bethlehem. Friends, the reason the Christian faith has flourished and the Christian church has continued to grow over the past 2,000 years, is that there have been some who after the angels have gone and the heavens are still and life just goes on being life, they still believe, they still connect, they still pursue God. But the problem for some people is not keeping Christ in Christmas, it's that they leave him there on Boxing Day. Then we have the wise men, Matthew 2 and 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now apart from this account of these wise men, we have very little information about them at all. What we do know is that they're pursuit of Jesus cost them something 
We don't know where they came from. We don't know how long they had been traveling. We actually don't know how many of them there were. We don't even know where they went afterwards. They arrived on the scene, they present their gifts, and then they leave. But what we do know from these wise men is that they came from a great distance to bring their gifts and to worship him. And even though these guys make a really, really brief appearance in the Christmas story, they actually leave a great example for us. They went out of their way to worship Jesus. They recognized the truth of who Jesus was and they realized he deserves our time and our devotion. But then there is one person out of all of the people that feature in the Christmas story. There is one person and only one that Scripture records who was there in Bethlehem, the manger, and was still there at the cross. And it was actually Jesus' mum. It was Mary. There is no question that Mary's life was totally changed, totally transformed by the birth of Jesus. And every moment of every day from that point on would be totally different. And Mary's understanding of Jesus, Mary's experience of Jesus certainly wasn't a part-time commitment. She was 100% committed to Jesus. And can I say, it's exactly what God is looking for today. <coughs> this Christmas, the only gift that Jesus is looking for is us, you and I. I'm going to ask the team to come back because we're about done and we're going to sing a carol as we leave. God would desire that you and I would actually not just leave Jesus in the manger, not just get stuck in Bethlehem, but actually make that eight and a half kilometer journey to the cross. Reading from John 3 and 16 from the message translation. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And the way that God begins to put the world right again is by reaching out to us with the hope of the gospel, with the hope of Jesus and begin to transform us, to change us. That's how the world is transformed. It's how the world is changed when we are changed from the inside out. So I'm just going to ask as we close in prayer this morning for every head bowed and every eye to be closed and uh, I, I just want to pray for you and with you. And God, today, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, for coming into this world so that you could redeem me. You could redeem each one of us. And when we think of the cross, when we think of everything that you went through, in order to save us. It's so humbling and our response must be, thank you. 
and into response to all that you have done for us. There's only one adequate response, and that is to surrender us to you. And maybe for some of us this morning, we've just got to say, God, on this Christmas day, 2022, I surrender. I surrender. I thank you, God, that you love me so much. And I'm grateful for that love. Because without that love, without that forgiveness, we're kind of just in this trap of sin and, yeah, just a self-ruled life which we often don't get right. We need your direction. We need your hope. We need your purpose. We need your eternal perspective. And Father, I thank you that because of the cross, we can be in right standing with you. Because of the cross, we can say, I am saved for all of eternity. And friends, this morning, when the, when the song of the angels is stilled, and uh, when that star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the shepherds and the princes and all of those larger-than-life characters that we see depicted at this time of year in nativity plays and just the imagery of Christmas. When all of that is done, it's not when the story is over. It's actually when the work of Christmas begins. Because God changes the world through us. And He calls us to find the lost, to heal those who are broken in spirit, to feed the hungry, to release the oppressed, to rebuild nations, to bring peace among all people. In the midst of all of that, to glorify and worship God, to radiate the light and the life of Jesus every day, in every way, in all that we do, in all that we are, in all that we say. That's the continuing work of Jesus every day. And I pray that we would be those people as we surrender to you. I pray that you would make this real for us. That when we wake up tomorrow, the work of Christmas begins. And so, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the traditional uh, experiences of Christmas that make it so rich. The exchanging of gifts, friends, family, food, nana naps. It's all good. But ultimately, we look to the manger and we recognize the manger leads to the cross. And as we leave here, may this day be Christ-focused and may we recognize that tomorrow the work of Christmas begins. Make it real for us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.